lack of knowledge regarding Jesus Christ, regarding the Messiah, created a great deal of difficulty in ancient times. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We're taking you through the Bible. And today, as we look at John chapter 7, this is a really good day to study this. We're going to focus on this idea of who is Jesus Christ. It's going to be very, very interesting. Thank you for joining us. And Ryan is here, Ryan. What's going on? Today, Jesus' brothers give him a hard time. But after his resurrection, they go through a major transformation. All right. Very good. Look forward to that. Janice? Well, today is Friday. That means I have a fun-filled Friday wrap-up question. And for our special guest, if you've been watching over the last several days, Jess, you'll have an opportunity to help Ryan and Rod answer a question that I'm going to base anywhere from Luke 16 all the way through to John chapter 8. Excellent. (laughs) Looking forward to it. John seven, twenty-five through 36 Now some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from, but when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. And many of the people believed in him and said, When the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then... I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said, You will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come? John chapter 7, verses 25 through 36. John chapter 7 and chapter 8. This is a fascinating passage of scripture. I love it. And Jesus said and did many things to identify himself as God. At times, he even spoke of his future and what the rulers and others would do to him at the end of his life. He talked about his resurrection and the idea of eternal life. Many of the religious leaders were confused and outright engaged by the claims of Jesus as they were enraged by him. Now, these leaders had spent their lives learning about God 
and developing their actions around their understanding of the Mosaic law. Although they knew that no one could perfectly fulfill the law of Moses, they had been generating through time the development of rules to apply the law to their current culture, making it work for their world, but also in a way that reinforced their beliefs and their priorities. Yet it was God's plan to send his son to fulfill the law as it is written and do something that no one else could ever do, pay the cost of sin once and for all. In this way, Jesus was a threat to those who were called the experts in the law. Interesting, isn't it? So here we see, and the confrontation, the front of Jesus Christ as he confronts the law because he fulfilled the law. I find that fascinating. Now, as we begin to study this, remember, turn your Bible guide to it. If you don't have a Bible guide, call us or write to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you go there, you can click on the Bible guide. It will take you to a donate page. Thank you for your donations. They really help us. And it'll take you to a page you can download just like it's printed. So you're seconds away from joining us as we study is Jesus the Christ. <laughs> is he the Messiah? Is Yeshua the Messiah? Very interesting. John chapter 7, verse 25. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you would help us to hear what the Holy Spirit has written. And inside of those who are believers and have made you Lord of their life, the Holy Spirit is alive. And wake up that Holy Spirit and help us to hear your word as we understand what you're saying in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, let me say that this is the time to know Jesus Christ. There's a time for war. There's a time for play and all that. This is not the time to mess around with Jesus Christ. This is the time that we know him. Come to Jesus today. Because he is not messing around. This is not the time to mess around with Jesus Christ. He is Lord. Very important. Let's look at the scripture. John chapter 7, verse 25. Now, some of them from Jerusalem said, is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ, the Messiah? However, we know where this man is from. But when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Isn't that interesting? Lack of knowledge regarding Messiah caused questions from the crowd. We gain knowledge through reading and knowing God's word. His Holy Spirit helps to guide and teach us. Beloved, listen to me carefully. There's a lot of people who decide to read God's word and they don't pray first. They don't ask the Holy Spirit to show them his words, what he said to them. That's a mistake. Before you read the Bible, you need to pray to the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. Pray to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus Christ, I need your help today. Holy Spirit, come in and help me to read your word. You need to do that. 
because God has revealed and continues to reveal who he is and what's going on in the Bible. Sometimes it's like reading the daily newspaper, I'll tell you, today, in today's world. And we need to know what's going on because God is showing us what he's doing. Very important. Keep that in mind. John chapter 7, verse 28. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple. He cried out as he taught in the temple saying, you both know me and you know where I am from. <laughs> you know me and know where I'm from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not come yet. And many of the people believed in him and said, When the Christ comes... Will he do more signs than these which this man has done? Interesting. Number two, Jesus spoke the truth about himself as he taught in the temple. The Lord does not hide the truth from us. We must adjust our human thinking to hear him. I remember watching shows in the 80s and 90s that said the truth is out there. You've got to find the truth. You've got to work at it, work at it. No, the truth is in here. It's in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit, when you receive Jesus Christ, shows you when you begin to read it. And he doesn't overwhelm you. That's why you have to read it every year. He shows you more and more of his truth as you read it. And as you get closer to him and read it, he begins to touch you, beloved. He begins to show you. Praise God. That's what the Lord does. What he's doing to me It's very important. John chapter 7, verse 32. The Pharisees, the separated ones, heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him. And the separated ones and the chief priests sent officers to take him. And then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer. And then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. And then the Jews said among themselves, where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said, you will seek me and not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. Very interesting. The leaders did not understand what Jesus told them because their thinking was wrong. Beloved, it's important to read the word of God to keep our hearts and our minds aligned with God. That's what prayer is. It's the alignment of our spirits with the Lord. And I think that we need to align our spirits with the Lord before we read his words. I mean, I, it's the world's best-selling book and you can get it anywhere. There are some countries where it's illegal, but you can get it. Beloved, we need to hear this. It's, it's on the internet. It's everywhere. It's, I mean, I've got it on my phone for crying out loud. But the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches his word. So activate the Holy Spirit and then read it.
this character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. Welcome back to the program. In our reading today, specifically in the opening verses of chapter 7, we see how Jesus' brothers were giving him a pretty hard time. Because as verse 5 explains, not even his brothers believed in him. But that all changed when they witnessed the risen Jesus. As a matter of fact, this so affected his brothers, James and Jude, that they became key leaders in the church and each penned a book of the New Testament. And this massive change in them is one of many key pieces of evidence that the resurrection did occur. Their own brother and the one they once mocked, they now called Master, Lord, and Christ. Wow! Now, as I mentioned before, both James and Jude wrote letters in the New Testament. And today, I want to focus on Jude and his letter. It's a short but very hard-hitting text. Check it out. After the three letters of John, but before the book of Revelation, is a very small book entitled in the Greek of Jude. As its title suggests, and as the introduction of the letter makes clear, this short but hard-hitting book, which was written to warn the believers about false teachers who had infiltrated the church, was penned by Jude, the brother of James. Interestingly, the only brothers named Jude and James in the New Testament are the half-brothers of Jesus. Although neither man identifies himself as the Lord's brother, other biblical writers do. Even the early church testified to their identity. But if these two men were indeed the brothers of Jesus, then why not identify themselves as such? Probably Jude and James didn't want any special consideration just because they were sons of Mary and Joseph, or brothers of Jesus. So rather than identifying himself as a brother of Jesus, Jude refers to himself only as a servant of Jesus. As far as the dating of this letter is concerned, it certainly could not have been written past AD 90, since a brother, even a younger brother of Jesus, could not have lived past this time. A major key in accurately dating Jude is actually 2 Peter. This is because both letters describe similar false teachings, which suggests that they were written around the same time. As one scholar explains, both letters denounce false teachers with very similar language. Since the order is similar, and since the Bible does not use many of these words and expressions elsewhere, some kind of relationship probably exists between Jude and 2 Peter. The good news is that we know 2 Peter was written between 63 and 65 AD. But the bad news is that we don't know which letter came first. Did Peter borrow from Jude, or did Jude borrow from Peter? If Jude used Peter as his source, then his work would post-date 2 Peter. On the other hand, if Peter used Jude as his source, then Jude would obviously predate Peter. Since there is no way of knowing for sure which came first, scholars date Jude anywhere from 60 to 80 AD. Also somewhat of a mystery is to whom Jude was writing. While it is evident that he wrote to a specific church or group of churches, not much else is known. However, at the very least, the Jewishness of Jude's letter suggests that the recipients were primarily Jews, perhaps living in the midst of a Gentile culture. 
Part of what makes Jude's letter so Jewish and so unique is his mixture of Holy Spirit-inspired scripture with a bit of Jewish tradition. For example, he tells of the archangel Michael's dispute with the devil over the body of Moses, and he quotes a prophecy from the pre-flood prophet Enoch, each of which come from non-biblical Jewish writings. Of course, as Dr. Henry Morris pointed out, Jude's references to these extra-biblical texts do not mean that the books themselves were inspired writings, but rather that certain portions of them did convey authentic histories. Now, originally there was a lot more to this segment, but unfortunately it had to be cut down for the sake of time. But the good news is you can go to our website at BibleDiscoveryTV.com and read the entire article there, which is nearly double the length of what you just saw today. It's called simply An Introduction to Jude. And remember to also check out my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Ryan Hembry. Yeah, and that's a, the important part that Bible Discovery TV has these printed out. Uh, and I, it's great. There's a lot of good reading on Bible Discovery TV. There's a lot of good video on Bible Discovery TV, the programs, but there's also a live streaming channel that's on there as well. Uh, now, we have a question, but mm -hmm. before we have a question, I want to introduce sure. uh, Jess Cantillon. Jess Cantillon is the son of Jim Cantillon, a, a gentleman who we do his program out of here, but we also do Jess Cantillon's program out of here. This is Israel. How you doing, Jess? Hey, I'm doing great, Rod. It's great to see you. It's great to be here. That's good. And he was vocalizing earlier, too. He was. We heard, hey, yes. Jude. We did. Yeah. <laughs> Talking and about Jude. Jess <laughs> has two. You've, he's got two albums. You've got two albums, don't you, Jess? You've, you've I, have one, I have one album. I have one other album written, but I have never uh, recorded it. So mm -hmm. one album, one album. <laughs> so you have music and uh, you have the teaching from uh, a pastor. And, and what's, what's your official position in degrees. Where are you at with that? Uh, education. I, I, uh, I did my uh, master's uh, in theology from uh, University of the Holy Land, Holy Land in Jerusalem. It's uh, an affiliate of the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And uh, it's a fabulous school. It's a small school, like a boutique uh, seminary. Uh, but uh, they won the rights to produce the study modules for the Dead Sea Scrolls because the, the president of the school over over like Harvard and Princeton, Oxford, uh, uh, because the, the president of the school is a is the world's leading expert on the Dead Sea Scrolls. He is both a linguist and a, a biologist of some sort. So he can read the, the follicles on the sheepskin uh, as a scientist, and he can put the letters together as a linguist. And anyway, somehow it makes him the guy. So and The wow. Dead Sea Scrolls are fascinating. So uh, what are they? What are the Dead Sea Scrolls? Oh, Dead Sea Scrolls are, you know, a lot of people wonder about the uh, validity of the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, you know, have they been changed over the years? Uh, well, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found and uh, they, they go back to Jesus Day scrolls and we, we can they were found around the Dead Sea. And uh, we see actually that the scriptures haven't changed at all, uh, that it's they've been consistent for the last 2000 years. And uh, that's great. I mean, that's important to know that uh, uh, the scriptures weren't written in, uh, you know, a thousand years ago by some uh, some smart guys. It was it was it hasn't changed a, a bit uh, since the uh, since the original text. So, that's, yeah. That's what and they were found on. in 1947. And uh, it was really interesting. Uh, how that it all came about. We don't have time for that today, but you do a program called This Is Israel. Ryan produces it. Uh, and what is This Is Israel, Jess? 
this is Israel is your chance to see Israel with your own eyes. And uh, I know not everyone has the opportunity to fly to Israel. Now, I love teaching the Bible uh, and I, I love teaching it as the whole story uh, that God is a God who makes promises and keeps them and will keep them until we see him face to face. And, uh, and, and I think that uh, going to Israel helps you understand that God is faithful. Uh, you can see uh, the, the, the geography, the, culture, the different climates, uh, the topography, you can understand a lot about what the scriptures are talking about by just seeing the place. Um, but uh, also you see that God is still faithful. And, uh, and I think that's really important. I mean, so long as God remains faithful to Israel, and he says in Romans uh, chapter 11, uh, that the promises and, and the callings of God are irrevocable. In other words, uh, he who made a promise to Abraham and his people um, will be faithful to those promises until we see Jesus face to face. So we produced this program. You've got eight of them shot. And Ryan, uh, how we do it, this is October. What, what is this, October the 20th? Yeah, October 21st. But we're taping this back in September. Mm -hmm. How many do you have finished right now? Uh, while we're taping this program right now, I have two finished. We have um, eight shot. But there's eight total. And I know uh, Jess is working on some more currently. So what, what they are, Jess, is tell us about the format of the program. What is it? Uh, well, what I do is uh, I, I take a little selfie stick and a GoPro, which is an action camera, and uh, I go behind the scenes, uh, you know, and I, so for example, uh, there's, there's one episode on the Mount Transfiguration, on the Transfiguration. And uh, there's been some debate as to which mountain is the Mount of Transfiguration. But if you go to the text, uh, you see that Peter's confession of Jesus as the Messiah happened at Caesarea Philippi. Um, and, 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 and in that story, Jesus says, you know, on this faith, on this rock, I will build my church. Now, in, Phil in Caesarea Philippi, I don't need to get in the whole story. There's a big, massive rock. And it was basically the heart of paganism for that region. And right behind it, they go to the mountain. It's the only mountain in the air. It's about a 10,000 foot mountain, the size bigger than Whistler. And uh, they go up to that mountain. And Jesus is transfigured as king of kings, lord of lords, over these puny gods of the rock at Caesarea Philippi. Upon this rock, he will build his church. He will be transfigured as, as, as king. So you take these places and you put them in your video and you teach from those places. The first program you taught about Deborah, that's uh, Judges chapter 4, was fascinating stuff. And so this program, it, we're airing the program in a few if the station wants to air this program, just contact me uh, because it's an excellent program. It's a half hour program, but it's really, really good. Uh, you know, I got, got lost there, Rod. You were, I, I got into the whole description of, of what I do on the show. But, you know, we start off with these little segments, then I interview experts, and then we sort of tie it all together with a Bible study at the end. So that's, that's how we fill the show. And that is really good. And uh, I'm very excited about it. Ryan's working hard on it. You're working hard on it. And, and it's a project that we're doing together. We're very, very excited about it. Now, you're there's not a minute. There's not a second of wasted time. No. In this program, it, it, it moves and it flows. And as I told you earlier, Jess, when I was watching the first episode, I was literally very emotional watching it. So I know that it's more than just a new show. Uh, God really has his hand on you. And I want to thank you for, for being obedient to God's calling on your life. 
And, uh, mm. and, and, and I want you to know that we pray for you. We pray for you as a family and as a staff here. But I know that our viewers are going to be praying for you as well, that God will just continue to, to use you and to, to, to bring you all the provision, everything that you need. He's given you everything that you need, um, but that he will just continue to provide for you. And um, because it really is, it really is a blessing. Yeah, it is. Unless that means a lot. Yeah. Now we've got this question, Jess. <laughs> and so, you know, between all of us, we've got to come up with the answer. And so Janice is yes. asking the question. So what in the world right. are you asking? Well, and I'm just going to say for all of you <laughs> new viewers that maybe you're watching this for the very first time and you've never read the Bible before, it's okay. These Friday questions is just a, a really different way uh, to engage everybody else in learning. You know what? You might get the answer wrong, but you know what? The next time, if you ever hear that question again, you'll get the answer right. This is the way we learn together. And this might be a super easy question for some people. Greg in North Carolina, yep. pay attention. Okay. Yep. Yeah, well, I've got Bob and Cindy. There's a lot of people that, that watch and play along, but might be an easy question for some, but others, this might be brand new. So here it goes. All right. This is the question. This man climbed a tree so he could get a better look at Jesus. What was his name? Was his name Zacharias? Was his name Zebedee? Or was his name Zacchaeus? This particular man, he climbed a tree. He was a short guy. I know what that feels like. And he wanted to see Jesus. Climb the tree. Zacharias, Zebedee, or Zacchaeus? Who was it, Jess? Who do, who do you think? This is a trick question, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's Zacchaeus. Ah, Absolutely. What do you think, Ryan? I totally agree. I mean, he just completed an episode of This is Israel ah, about Zacchaeus. Ah. So I'm very confident. <laughs> That's right on target. <laughs> All right. What do you think? I, I totally agree with them. <laughs> All right. Okay. So if you agreed with these three guys, you are absolutely right. It is Zach. Uh, I almost said it's Zacharias. It is actually Zacchaeus. They are right. If you want to check me out, always do that. Luke 19 verses one through six is the passage that we're talking about today. All right. Very good. And Jess, we'll have you <laughs> back on the next program. This is Israel is the program you want to check out and Israel Video Project on YouTube. Israel Video Project. It is a great project. Mm -hmm. It is an amazing country. And uh, listen, you need to watch this program because it'll show you what's there and who's there. Thank you for watching the prayer that is listed on the program. And I hope you've enjoyed today's program. Remember that we pray 3.30 Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Facebook and YouTube. And we're going to pray on, of course, Bible Discovery TV. And we want you to join us live so that you can put your prayer request in. So make sure you do that. Today, let's pray and say, Lord, help me to hear you. 
Help me to follow you based on what you've spoken in your wonderful word. 